Welcome back after a short hiatus, mostly due to scheduling issues. Yeah, and young I children was and traveling as well. So, um, but it's good to be to get the the band back together here yes. for our reunion tour. Yes, after uh, two hours. <laughs> I think I mentioned we need to add another guitarist. We do, we do. We'll start off there with the with the the plead the. Uh, to throw the line out there for anyone who would love to join us. Yeah, I guess these. if if you're listening to this, then you're you qualify. So, I think Joe did offer to um, to jump in with us. I don't know if his okay. schedule is flexible enough, but maybe you could ping him and I will or, do that. If he's listening, he can he can ping you. Yeah, reach out, reach out through the interwebs as Be they say. Man. Come on, don't, don't wait to be called. Raise your hand, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Stand up and be counted. Yes, but we're, we're happy to be back, and uh, today we're going to look at or talk about, discuss for a short period of time, uh, your sermon yesterday, Phil, on Psalm 32, which you entitled, The Restoration of a Sinner. Um, it, it was the ninth sermon in our series in the Psalms, I believe, and um, maybe we could start by, just for for those who might have missed it, or haven't had a chance to go back and re-listen to it. Recapping all nine? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. No, maybe you could walk us through just your your main points from your outline yesterday. So, uh, the restoration of a sinner, um, yeah, let's see if I remember my points, because I, I went through like five outlines on this one, Tim, uh, my notes here, but looks like my final version was something like, um, yeah, why don't I, why don't you recap my points for me, <laughs> or you can hand it. It applies to everyone? Yeah, it applies to everyone. It involves you personally, and it encourages others. So roughly speaking, the uh, universal applicability of, of the restoration of the sinner is seen in verses 1 and 2, the two asherisms, the two blessed are, blessed is the man who, or blessed is the one who, statements, and then uh, involves you personally is David's testimony in verses 3 through 5, and then... Um, encourages others is the kind of the masculine part of the psalm, which means the impartation of harmonious wisdom. And we didn't talk about that in our initial um, setup of the podcast, but I think there's an interesting overlay with what masculine means and what ashray or blessed is the man who means. So the blessed life and the masculine life um, overlap hmm. quite nicely. Hmm. But so the teaching others or encouraging others is basically 6 through 11. Right. Uh, beginning with the phrase, therefore let everyone who, so there's kind of an appeal to all who would listen like wisdom makes her appeal. Uh, David here, having been instructed through the, the, his journey through Denial is not just a river in Egypt, right? Um, it's starting off 
yeah, pretty I mean, quick here with the with the AA isms. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I believe in truth where you know, wherever you can find the truth, mm -hmm. hang on to it. Mm -hmm. um, so, before we discuss some of the the points in more detail, um, or you know, other topics that come come about because of them. I'm wondering if you see, um, it's just occurring to me that the way that the psalm is constructed, it's almost a, a universal audience at the beginning and at the end, and then a personal in the middle. Mm -hmm. And when I was reading this um, this morning and listening to the recording of your sermon, one of the thoughts I had in my head is if I was going to be talking to somebody about kind of what David, I know David's not trying to preach to, to us directly. God uses that. But I would start with me and say, this applies to you because of my personal. So I'd start with the personal and then I'd go, just as you might be inclined preaching a sermon, you might start with a personal example in your introduction that then leads into the text, which mm -hmm. then applies to everybody. In this case, David starts with blessed is the man or blessed is the one. So he starts mm -hmm. with the general or the specific man who, I, it applies to him as well, but it applies to mm -hmm. everyone universally. And then he goes personal. Mm -hmm. So do you think that there is good reason for that? It's just a literary I mean, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, but, you know, is it bookended on mm -hmm. specifically, do you think, mm -hmm. in that regard? This gets out of my area of expertise a little bit because it, it, it touches on how, the, I guess, uh, and we did mention this a little bit in our uh, pre-conversation, the, the history of the construction of the Psalter as a whole, who put them in order, and there's a very clear ordering. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I spent, in preparation, a good amount of time overlaying Psalm 31 and Psalm 32. There's quite a few overlays, and they're also quite different. Um, but they, they clearly uh, are inter kind of woven together. Mm -hmm. But then, what about the construction of Psalm 32 itself? Was it always in its current form? Was there a shorter version of it hanging around out there? We don't have a copy of that shorter version, but uh, scholars love to kick back with their whiskey and their pipes and you know speculate on the what's called the redaction history or the editorial history of and uh, um, scholars that are uh, a little more renegade, if I can put it that way, are just very quick to say oh, that doesn't make sense here. That must have been stuck on later by some scribe who wanted to, you know, make it applicable to all Israel and mm -hmm. not just David. Mm -hmm. um, I happen to think, and this is just a humble country preacher speaking, that David wrote the whole thing in a more mature season of reflection on his sin of murder and adultery. And... He knew, I mentioned this last week, he knew he was preparing the temple to be built for his son. And part of those preparations meant he was writing liturgy. He was writing music, poetic 
songs to be sung. A masquil is a musical term. It's also a, a didactic term. So this is meant to be sung by the, by the congregation, that all who is godly. So you can hear almost an, and again, I don't know Hebrew music styles, but you can hear an antiphon where a, a Levite or a singer that says, let all who is godly pray. Uh, he is my hiding place, the, the congregation. And then I will instruct you is the leader. And then do not, and then we're looking at each other. Um, I wish in our singing that we would sing not just old Scottish versions of these psalms, but ones that make sense in a, in a modern music of vernacular. And we would actually look at each other sometimes so that I'm singing Psalm 32 and I'm looking at you and say, Tim, with my eyes, do not be like the horse and the mule. You know, and you're like... Thanks for picking that line. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I don't mean to be an ass, but... Um, Spurgeon has fun with, with the ass word in this in his sermon. He, I'm sure that he does. He just really enjoys using that Well, word. he fits right in with the scholars with their pipes and their whiskeys. No, no, he's he's holding he's holding court over those guys. Yeah. Yes, as indeed he should. Yeah, yeah. Actually, in Spurgeon's commentary, he so Spurgeon has his sermons on the Psalms, which are great. Um, this is not a podcast about Spurgeon's homiletical style, but his sermons are great. I, I love reading them. But then what I consulted for this, um, so I read his sermon on the horse and the mule. That's where he had really a lot of fun with, you know, describing us in that way. But um, his treasury of David is his commentary on the Psalms, which sort of reads like many sermons for each verse, you know. But then at the end of his commentary, he puts, he quotes other people and he calls them jewels or gems, and he's essentially extracting paragraph quotes, sometimes just one-liners, from you know commentaries in his library. And then at the end, he's got hints for hints for the country preacher, I think, or something like this. And he he pr- puts forth like seven or eight or nine or ten or eleven different outlines, different ways to to preach a verse in the psalm or three verses in the psalm or the whole psalm. And in one of his things, he goes, such and such, the Reverend Dr. You know, Smith, with his, uh, and now I'm paraphrasing, satanic doctrine of infant baptism, goes off and, and, and episcopacy, so apparently it's an Anglican, goes off to left field in his treatment of this and must not be followed. <laughs> He's got this in his thing. <laughs> Uh, gotta love the boldness yeah Spurgeon was a Baptist can you get us back on track from I don't know I I, (laughs) thinking of what his commentary to us would be of this podcast yeah he probably used the word boys Or lads, perhaps. Mm. Um, I'll try to. I'll try to bring us back. So, 
um, the psalm starts, and, and you've mentioned this already, with blessedness, the good life, if you will. So, so yeah, so it actually starts with a superscription, which is of, by, or for David. You know, it may have been, he may have commissioned it. Um, I, I think he wrote it. But it's good to remember that the of, by, or for doesn't necessarily necessarily require David's authorship. Um, and we know for a fact that he didn't write all the psalms that are of, by, or for David because in uh, Chronicles it tells us that he commissioned men to write songs. But uh, so of David, a masculine. And maskil is scholarship is divided on whether it's a term describing the impartation of wisdom, and it's actually used in Psalm 32. Like it's a the verb form of the noun maskil is in verse eight. I will impart wisdom to you. Mm-hmm. The impartation or inculcation or in endowment of wisdom it's the maybe the giving birth to almost it's a fascinating word it isn't just teaching it's a I'll steep you in wisdom in other words mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna suffuse your your body and soul with the way that you ought to think and be in the world that's the amplified translation there but it's also a musical term that speaks about strings being plucked in harmony. And um, no one gave me the answer to this, but you know, I often, when I read scholars who are debating, I'm like, why can't both be true? Why can't? And there's apparently 11 masculine psalms. This is the first. Um, but this psalm is specifically because the impartation of wisdom, masculine, appears in verse 8. This seems at least to be a song about the impartation of wisdom, whatever musical instruction Maskell was conveying at the same time. This ties into the to the Asherah, to the to the blessed life, to the good life. That I will endow your mind and body with wisdom, like a song plucked with strings plucked in harmony so that you're living with the grain in the world that God has made or is remaking mm-hmm. according to his plan. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing, again, it's just my idea, but I'm seeing masculine and blessed is the one who, verse one, as really going hand in hand to describe the best way to live in a fallen world that God is renewing by his grace and for his glory. Mm-hmm. And and what is that way? It's to be honest about our sin to God and not hide it from Him. That's the way to live. And to what degree that honesty, honest to God, that honesty to God trickles out in our other human relationships, I'll leave for maybe you, know, you can follow up with a question about that. I don't necessarily think we need to bear all of our sins to another human being. Um, 
sometimes that's not appropriate, sometimes it's not possible. But being honest with God about our sin is the only way to live in this world. And, and as I mentioned in our uh, pre-conversation, I think that is the, the heartbeat of the Beatitudes. Blessed is the blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These are Jesus' invitations to live as his salt and light witnesses in a fallen world. Uh, I think very much building on David's statement, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the Adam, the man, against whom the Lord does not count his iniquity, and in his spirit there is no deceit. It's such a seemingly simple thing. Like, tell God something he already knows. That's a pretty simple concept, but it's so very difficult Mm -hmm. to put into practice, Mm -hmm. I feel. I mean, just talking from my own experience, Mm -hmm. and I would say that David even tells us that it's difficult, you know, in his experience, Mm -hmm. in the personal aspect, in the middle part of the psalm. Um, What is it about that that is so difficult? Same thing with the Beatitudes. They're so simple, and Mm -hmm. yet it's like, you said it when we're off air, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, well, I want I feel like mourning today and being meek, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not our first impulse. Yeah. Da- David um, gives us a clue in the, uh, when he makes a personal section, mm-hmm. um, verses three through five. Um, it says, yeah, you want me to read it? Yeah, read it. I don't have my So in verse 3, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. So here it is in verse 5 then. I acknowledged my sin to you, and, and I did, I not, did cover not cover my iniquity. So, um, verse 1 describes the man who is blessed, whose sin is covered. covered. Mm-hmm. So he was covering it. So what was wrong with David's covering hmm. that was cursed, if I can put it with a sharp point, Yeah. that when Jehovah covers it, it's blessed. Hmm. And I think that tension how to cover my sin. We all know it needs to be covered. Yeah. How do I cover it? Genesis. You got it. Yeah. I never had made that connection in my mind <coughs> until just this second. Um, I borrowed this from Spurgeon, but I, I described covering sin as the co- the hilasterion, mm-hmm. the covering mm-hmm. of the ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so-called mercy seat. Propitiation is to cover by way of quenching. So God's wrath is quenched and 
uh, by the covering. So the propitiation is the result of the covering of sin. Mm-hmm. The, the, the divinely authorized covering of sin quenches God's wrath, propitiates his wrath. The unauthorized covering of sin inflames his wrath, yeah. aggravates his wrath. Mm-hmm. So being honest to God is at the heart of being in covenant or communion with God. Mm. Mm. Yeah, my, my head is now just reading this psalm in light of Genesis in the yeah. garden. And it's like you could put Adam right in right in here. When he is. Verse two. The man. He's the man. Right. Yeah, that's right. He's the it's Adam. even the, the the word. Right. Yeah. And it stands out, you know, because in verse one they're just participles there and, and the ESV captures it. Blessed is the the one, the person, right? Mm-hmm. And anyone who but then I think in two, uh, verse two, the man, the, the man mm-hmm. um, mm. uh, you could say mankind, when the Lord did not impute his sins against him, was blessed. You know, that's the gospel. That is definitely the gospel. Um, Luther goes to town on Psalm. He loves Psalm 32 because it's it's um, quoted in Romans 4, 4 through 8. Attributing this to David, that's another reason I think David wrote this is because Paul said David said so. But in, in describing imputation or the non-imputation of our, of our sin to ourselves and faith being the instrumental cause by which our sin is imputed to Christ, uh, David or rather, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 quotes Psalm 32. That didn't come out in the message, but um, I didn't. I don't know how. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to get there. But it, it is an important New Testament anchor for this song. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in good company then having spent more time talking about Psalm 32 yeah. with Luther and yeah. Augustine. Yeah. Think about that. Paul, Augustine, and Luther. And it's possible that some of us read Psalm 32 for the first time yesterday. Yeah. So that's a, a journey. A journey begun is, is, is a good journey. Did you find it? Um, I just, I just found it amazing that Augustine possibly died with Psalm 32 in his mouth. It's um, it's one of those things you you, you read or you hear about godly men and like, oh man, just like that. And then I have to check myself and go, I don't want to be like Augustine. I want right. to be like Jesus. Yeah, but, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, it, it is an amazing... Um, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't really add weight. Like, there's enough weight here in and of itself. But it does make you think, like, oh, all right, well, it wasn't 
you know, Malachi, you know, Psalm 32. So maybe, maybe <laughs> I need to spend some more time, you know. Well, um, you know, the, the restored sinner involves you personally and then encourages others. So the not secret, not-so-secret reason for quoting Augustine's example there is that David quotes his own example and then springboards or leverages his example into instruction for the church. And so uh, by quoting Augustine's example, and maybe I could have even done more in talking about Augustine's sojourn with his concubine and his difficulty in uh, when he was among the Manicheans and, and ultimately how the prayers, the earnest pleas of his mother Monica essentially hassled him into the kingdom of God mm. and how he, at the end of his life, wrote a book of retractions and just the story of this great man greatly used of God what a patchwork quilt his life really mm-hmm. was. Um, and, of course, as Protestants, we love Augustine's emphasis on the sovereignty of God and on predestination, but we can't get far enough away from his Neoplatonism when it comes to the sacraments and the church and, and some other things. So, you know, even even in his great accomplishments, he's, he's still very much a flawed vessel. Yeah. Um, that was part of why I think we need more examples, you know, and Augustine's a famous one, but, in, and I wasn't completely transparent in the pulpit, that's not appropriate, but I hope some of my own struggle with this psalm came out in the pulpit to say, look, if, you know, I use more we's and me's than I normally do. Yeah, and I'm I'm careful in preaching to use the second person plural. You you need to listen to this because I I'm not there to share my life. I'm there to hopefully speak for Christ. Right. But as as I've shared with you this morning uh, earlier, uh, this was a very difficult psalm to to preach to the point that I was close to calling in the reinforcements and sitting this one out for a more experienced pastor, but. God had other plans for us. And we thank him for that. Um, We only have a few moments left, but maybe we can kind of tease this thread a little bit. This is the the blessed blessed life. Um, This is... This is how God wants us to walk in the fallen world. This is how we find yeah. happiness. Spurgeon's quote, pardoning mercy is the only sure and certain way to happiness. Yeah. No, that's great. What a great quote that is. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. And I kind of mentioned this earlier. It's still, it's not, a, it's not, it's still not an easy road. It's not like, hey, yeah, you know, check the boxes, you're good to go. Um, we see the struggle in here personally with David, and we read that. Um, but I mean, you, you even kind of made the point 
when you get to the end of this of the psalm in verse nine, I mean this point in your sermon, when he's when uh, be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle. It's like you can learn the easy way, or you can learn the hard yeah. way, and yeah. often we choose the hard way. Yeah. Um, it still leads to blessedness, but we often choose the hard way. You know? like, right. um, I guess so. What what encouragement do we have here, or what encouragement if we could maybe tack on an extra application point from yesterday, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to kind of not not make it harder to take the easy way, even though the easy way is hard. You know, to be honest, admitting that we're sinners, admitting that we need restoration, um, confessing that to God confessing that to others when appropriate walking in repentance these are not this is to use um, to use a phrase from the New Testament this is dying to yourself and death hurts you know that that's not <laughs> it's uh, it's painful so what what encouragement do we find here or what encouragement can we pull to you know propel us mm-hmm into this blessed, this blessedness. One thought which may be helpful to you, Tim, and to others who are listening is when you pursue this honest-to-God lifestyle, got craftsmen working on my mom's house at the moment and the bathrooms in the house are being redone and we, they're using tile and the new tile comes in sheets but old tile got placed one square at a time and uh, one of the contractors was commenting that actually the old tile in some ways was easier to set because the sheets hang and they don't they don't necessarily um, stay in place like but um, like placing these tiles these beautiful tiles each act of honesty to God is building this hmm. this kind of a mosaic which will be a legacy for your friends and family members and children if you're married and have kids um, for the community for the church um, that's the legacy that we want to leave is not of our own accomplishments but of what God has done through us and the reason the good life runs through repentance and honesty to God is because the good life is life with God and so the incentive here is being honest and confessing our sin puts us back in communion with God and on the path of a real and lasting legacy. Um, so, I don't know if that helps. Yeah. None of us uh, show up having arrived. It's a, 
it's a we, work in progress. Maybe maybe we need to give up on kind of building a name for ourselves, which is where the um, I think it's Proverbs twenty eight: uh, He who conceals his sin will not prosper. Again, we get back to the idea of true prosperity, true blessing comes when we're honest to God. Mm. Give just give up on needing to control the the story. I guess mm. I guess that I'm speaking to myself here at this point as I think about you know my sin and um, wanting to be wanting to be known in, in a certain way. Even, even to my own mind, you know, who do I think I am? Mm. Mm. So I think there's a lot of good food for thought. There is hopefully in, in incentivizing people to make Psalm, a Psalm 32 kind of a way of life. A blessed, blessed way of life. A blessed yeah. way of life. Yeah, that's good. A lot more could be said. Yes, indeed. It's a lot on the table today, but yeah. um, hopefully this accomplishes our purposes in, in the podcast, which is to give a deeper cut, and we never quite know, you know, where where we'll where we'll land on these. But um, yeah. Thanks for taking some time today, Phil. For those listening, if you'd like to join us for the next one or in the future, you're more than welcome. Um, we'll, we'll work to accommodate schedules as best we can. Um, Plen- plenty of coffee to go all the way around. Uh, not if I'm here, but we can make more. Yeah. <laughs> um, until next week, what do we have on tap for next week? Psalm 34. Okay. Psalm 34. So we look forward to that one. Yeah, me too to that that's going to be I think it's going to be a little lighter in, in the sense that it's but we are going to keep hammering the, the good life uh, theme mm. with that always something to look forward to now. Yeah. thanks so much we'll talk to you next week